here's a message from Ken Lavica. When people tell you to get over it, but you just can't. Stone Lepanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. Stone, what's a what's a life event? A life event where you just came up short. This could be outside of sports, but a life event where you came up short and you still kind of think about it in passing moments when you have time on your hands or you start to daydream because mine, in third grade, I was in a school-wide spelling bee and made it to the final four, and I got a word that I had been practicing, had practiced over and over again the night before, and I choked, I froze, I missed it, that bell rang, and I'm not going to lie, I... I sucked up my emotions after I lost so no one would see me. Then I went into a janitor closet near the gym and cried like a baby <laughs> okay, in third well, grade. Okay, well, this is a loaded one after you just gave <laughs> me that. I mean, Jeanette, don't act like you're surprised. <laughs> no, but don't act like, like you're surprised. third grade, you went through all of that emotion. Yeah, like, it's I a spelling bee. I, it was my, I was a short, big-eared, spindly little man. You no, couldn't accomplish much, much except uh, nothing's changed. I was going to say, I Stone, it. I feel like nothing's changed Insert here. joke here. <laughs> I, uh, I can't top that. I'm sorry. But spelling, spelling was my spelling. I was smart. I could spell. That was supposed to be my triumph. My school-wide uh, conquering. And I blew it. I choked. And I haven't gotten over it. That was third grade. That was, how old How old are you typically in third grade? Let's see, I was six and seven, eight, eight. eight, 38, so 30 years ago. That was to 1993. Yeah, 1993. Okay? And I still think about it to this day. Now, I think we all have a sports moment that we can't get over. We just cannot get over at all. And I, I, I look at uh, here. Here's how I want to define this, okay? Because this is something that I think applies to Jeanette in a big way. All right. So let me read you this story. This is from last night's game story: the Chicago White Sox and the Minnesota Twins. Okay. It's been more than three years since Major League Baseball issued its report on an electronic sign-stealing scheme by the Houston Astros. Kenyon Middleton definitely remembers. The reliever struck out Carlos Correa on a 96-mile-an-hour fastball Wednesday night, closing out a 6-4 victory for the Chicago White Sox against the Minnesota Twins. Following his first save since 2021, Middleton talked about how much he relished that last swing by Correa, who played for the Astros at the time of the scandal. Quote, I knew I was going to face Correa, and I don't like him. So it was kind of cool. I like that. I enjoyed that a lot. I mean, he's a cheater. End quote. The cheating scandal happened four years ago. It never happened. Pre-pandemic, the Astros cheating scandal happened, okay? 
And I know that Yankees fans and Christian Cat, our teammate, the Audible Assassin, what does he do every time he sees you, Jeanette? You, as the in-game host, receiving a World Series championship ring from the Houston Astros, but you do all the spring training in-game hosting for them uh, with your microphone on the field at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Every time he sees you, he brings up the cheating scandal, right? As a Yankees fan, he brings up the cheating scandal. Every time. Never misses a beat. And what I say is get the hell over it. Mm. Like, get over it. Mm. Yankees fans truly do believe that the cheating scandal kept them from winning a world championship. Dodgers fans believe that the cheating scandal kept them from winning a world championship. And what I would say to that is that you fast forward three years and what did the Astros do? Oh yeah, clubbed the hell out of the baseball and won the World Series again. Nothing's guaranteed that the Yankees or the Dodgers would have beaten the Astros even if there wasn't banging on trash cans. Okay? So I say get over it. That said, I can see where Yankees fans and Dodgers fans still look back and do ask themselves, what if, right? Like, at least that's a logical human being place to go. Even if we think it's silly, even if we say get over it, hey, Yankees fans and Dodgers fans, I don't blame them for at least asking what if in times of daydream. Yes, you can ask what if about many scenarios. There's documentaries on history about what if this, what if that, but it happened. It's sports history. You lost. And Yankees fans, get over it. You haven't won since. Christian Cat probably didn't even hit puberty last time the Yankees were in a World <laughs> Series. So I don't want to hear it. It didn't stop them from losing last year, too. I will say. Didn't when, hit puberty as she's wearing a Star Wars costume yeah, and Star Wars gear and a it, Disney it is, hat. It is May 4th, which is what you May the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day, everybody. I dressed everybody up here. Don't worry. Actually, we have R2-D2 here in the studio. And Ken is wearing a beautiful Star Wars uh, Choose Your Path bucket hat. And Stone is going to be rocking a sleeveless, beautiful sweater from Star Wars uh, in Hollywood Studios himself. So it's great. Happy May the 4th be with you. Anyways, uh, I... I think that when it comes to something you haven't gotten over, there's a difference between that and a difference between heartbreak, like recent heartbreak. For me, it would be easy for me to say Lamont Butler beating FAU in the Final Four at the buzzer, right? But this doesn't apply to this conversation because that happened, uh, what's today? What's the date today? May 4th? That happened just over a month ago. Mm -hmm. So I haven't had the time to fully let that go into the place of can't get over it. Because you never know. Once we get into the next FAU basketball season, the season starts, they're a top five team in the AP poll, and uh, they're rolling through the American Athletic Conference, and they're back in the NCAA tournament. There's a really good chance going into a new season, me getting back into the grind of the travel and, and being around the guys, that I don't think about the Final Four uh, buzzer beater any longer. And in fact, for me, I found myself in the last week and a half or so thinking more when I think FAU basketball about the Elite Eight game against Kansas State and that game in the aftermath of that and what it was like at MSG and the celebrating and getting ready for the Final Four. I find myself going back to that place more than I do the, the abject nightmare 
of FAU getting knocked out of the Final Four, which I think is progress, which also I think means that I'm starting to get over it, right? Because now I'm appreciating the FAU season for what it was as opposed to how it ended. Does that sound at least a little bit accurate? Yes. Okay. So this is the moment that I can't get over. Stone, do we have it ready? And I know that. Let me know when it's ready. Let me know when it's ready. Um, This is also FAU related, but I want you, Jeanette, as a proud FAU grad, to go back to 2015. Florida Atlantic is at the tail end of its season. It's already been eliminated from bowl eligibility. And you know how the SEC, the second to last game of the regular season, always schedules... They, in their schedule, put a cupcake mm-hmm. together. Uh, they're mm-hmm. able to put a, a cupcake on the schedule, and Alabama will use it as their tune-up for the Iron Bowl, or Florida is going to use it as their tune-up for Florida State. In 2015, in that second-to-last game of the year, that open non-conference date on the schedule, Florida scheduled Florida Atlantic. So again, FAU came into that one with three wins on the year. Three wins on the season. Not bowl eligible. There weren't going to be bowl eligible. Florida, meanwhile, had already clinched the SEC East Championship. Okay, this is when Jim McElvain was the coach. And so FAU goes in there, and all of a sudden, through one quarter, there's no score. And I begin thinking to myself, wait a minute, Florida does not look real good at all. FAU looks even with Florida. FAU is doing whatever it wants. Trey Hendrickson, FAU pass rusher, now outstanding with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's in the backfield every single play. I know you weren't at FAU at that time, but do you remember when FAU went to Florida and nearly Mm -hmm. pulled off an upset? Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where you just get the notification. It was definitely a notification on the phone kind of thing. Yeah. And you're like, what is FAU doing right now? Mm -hmm. Football? FAU football? So it gets to halftime and FAU is down three. And then it gets midway through the third quarter and FAU ends up tying the game. And then FAU gets a safety. Florida Atlantic ends up taking the lead in the fourth quarter. Florida would tie it late and then it would go into overtime. FAU got the ball second in overtime. Okay. They gave up a touchdown to Florida on the first play of overtime, but Florida missed the extra point. So all it took for FAU to upset the SEC East champion Florida Gators as a three-win team would be to score a touchdown and kick the extra point. That's all it took. All it took. It took FAU two plays to get a first down on their possession, and then Jensen Stoshak was brutally accosted. Pass interference in the end zone that those SEC officials did not call and that set up this final play as heard in 2015 on ESPN 106.3 and the FAU football radio network. This is the game. Florida Atlantic can't get any more first downs. It is fourth and goal from the Florida 11. The Gators trying to hang on to college football playoff hopes. Florida Atlantic last cast for an upset. Three receivers for the Owls. Cameron and H back FAU left to right in this pouring rain. Johnson has the snap, needs to throw it to the end zone, steps inside a man, he throws to the end zone, and it's tipped away, Wyatt Stoshak, incomplete, and Florida has won the football game. So, Brian Poole 
broken up. The Owls upset bid falls short. So that is how it sounded. And again, that was an excuse for me just to uh, throw some of my play-by-play on the show as well. But my name's on the show, so I'm allowed to do whatever I want. But that, <laughs> I, I think back to that a lot, more than I probably should. FAU losing on the final play in overtime to Florida in a game that on paper they had absolutely no business being in whatsoever. I hearken back to that. At this point, you'd think I would have just gotten it, gotten over it. Because then, two years later, FAU hires Lane Kiffin. Florida Atlantic wins the Conference USA, wins their bowl game two years after that. FAU wins Conference USA again, wins their bowl game. But it would have been so awesome to be able to celebrate like FIU did when they beat Miami, FAU beating Florida. Mm-hmm. And it would have been that much more so because Florida had already won the East Division in the SEC. They were going to the SEC title game two weeks after, and they would have lost to FAU in overtime. Like, How cool would that have been? And I, that's why I still think that I, I look at that and I'm like, I'm not over it yet. It's worthy of it. Especially you, like you were there, you experienced it, you saw it all happen. Yeah. I don't blame you. You yeah. witnessed that. So I haven't gotten over it. Much like this young closer for the White Sox hasn't gotten over the fact that the Astros were part of that cheating scandal, even though it happened four years ago. What is a low point in your sports life that you've never gotten over you've never quite gotten over it I can't say FAU losing in the final four because it's only been a month I haven't had the time to get over it if we get to next year and I'm with the guys again and we're traveling and we're doing all these basketball things it's going to be much easier I think for me mentally to digest what happened because you're back in it you're back in the grind right but I still haven't gotten over that FAU lost to Florida in overtime by the way, pretty good call, uh, pretty good radio call, huh? It was a phenomenal call yeah. and also name drop. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole's really good. Yeah, and you know who else was name dropped in that you might not have heard as I was leading up to the play? Tyler Cameron. Ooh. He was the H-back on the play. Okay. Yep. Now, the crowd was roaring, and so you might not have heard over that. Cameron, the H-back, lined up behind uh, Johnson. You could hear all 90 or 100,000 mm. people um, in that call. The, the Swamp is awesome. I will say it this. Is. The Swamp the Swamp is, forget Alabama, forget Auburn, the two loudest stadiums I've ever been in. They both are in the SEC, but it's not those stadiums. It's the Swamp and it's Georgia. It's between the hedges. Those two places, and maybe because I've been there for primetime games and I haven't, well, I've been in Auburn primetime. It wasn't the same. Um, uh, but, but Florida is the loudest stadium in college football, period. And Georgia is right there. Georgia is right there. But I digress. What's a low point in your sports life you've never quite gotten over? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. And I'm telling you, we are busy, busy on social. 888-760-3776. Or tweeted us at KLV1063. Jeanette, what is, what is something in sports that you still find yourself, maybe you're laying in bed, right? And it's like 3.45 in the morning, can't fall asleep. And you think, what if, what if this happened? How would I have celebrated? How would I have been able to brag and trash talk friends? And you can see where my mindset is with that FAU Florida overtime Mm -hmm. game. How could I have gloated about it Mm -hmm. for an extended period of time? But what's something you haven't quite gotten over from a sports standpoint? 
So we know I detest Dwight Howard. I'm not going to use the H word, but I can't stand the man. Um, what he did to the Orlando Magic organization still irks me because there's always been a rebuilding phrase af- phase after that. But the moment that I realized where things were definitely down spiraling is the, at least from, from Orlando, um, the infamous interview where Stan Van Gundy's like mm. holding a Pepsi in a press conference and Dwight Howard, he's literally talking about Dwight Howard comes from behind and wraps his arm around Stan Van Gundy, pushes him in. And he's like, nah, man, we're all cool. We're all cool. And that's after uh, Dwight Howard uh, was openly trying to get Stan Van fired, right? Uh, yes. And then about two weeks later, Stan Van Gundy was fired. So Dwight, it was Dwight Howard uh, just being a phony. Yes. Just, a liar. And, and you could tell, you could tell mm-hmm. that. Uh, oh, it was the most awkward thing ever. If you watch it, it is, I saw that live and I was like, this is the end of Dwight Howard, which sucks because it was mm-hmm. coming after of the era. high yeah. of going to the finals and then Eastern Conference championships. And then you're going to absolutely dismantle this team because of your ego. And if I recall correctly, that moment, Dwight Howard didn't know that report had come out yet about what he was doing behind the yep. scenes yep. to try and get Stan Van Gundy fired. And Stan Van Gundy was in the middle of answering questions about that report as Dwight Howard came up and put his arm around him like everything was good. That's exactly it. Oh, That's the that exact moment where I looked at that moment and I was like, okay, I didn't know it was going to be as bad. I didn't know my negativity towards him was going to grow so so much. And I, But I still hold it. We all know a sore point of yeah. me on the show is talking about Dwight Howard and yeah. the Orlando Magic. And Dwight Howard came close to a title but didn't deliver you that and the way he goes, coveted. I'm still upset that he won a ring with the Lakers. What's a low point in your sports life you've never quite gotten over? Dwight Howard, like period, Jeanette still hasn't quite gotten over him. And that moment truly was the end, the end of the magic ability to compete for a championship any longer. 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, Ernesto in Boynton. What's up, Ernie? What's up, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Um, my scar was the Knicks. First, when they went to the playoffs and they got to the finals in 94 and played Houston, I think it was. Yeah, it was the Houston series first. And I was depressed then. Then five years later, I think, is when they went to again and then played San Antonio and lost again. So I didn't get to recover from the first loss. And then five years later, I'm trying to recover. We get into the playoffs, and I thought, and I thought we had a great chance then. And when we lost, it took me till I'll say 2007, 2008 uh-huh. to get over it. Uh-huh. Because I knew at that time when we lost, I'm like, when was the next time? we? And that was like the last year of Patrick Ewing. So it was like, I knew it was coming. Yeah. I was like, we're not going to get here never again. It's going to be a while. I'm going to have a son before the next time they come to the playoffs. And look, I have a son, 10 years old now, <laughs> still don't have a championship. <laughs> Still don't have an appearance in the playoffs till well, it was till mid twenties, the mid two thousands that we finally got back to the playoffs. Now we're back again, and I got this angina that I'm getting all of a sudden, <laughs> and you know it's it's part of it's part of being a fan. I mean, I, 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 again, it's reoccurring those memories of that that the ninety series of oh my god, do I put my expectations in this basket all over again? I mean, I am, I'm a fan, right? Of course I am, but. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, you, you heard my call yesterday. We did win that game, but we didn't win it convincingly because Jimmy Buckets wasn't playing. It was a bunch of role players 
guys who were undrafted that gave us uh, gave us problems and we couldn't win but barely squeaked by. Yeah, that's a concern. So I'm not a you know I'm not one of those fools in Seventh Avenue that winning the first playoff game and running on on Seventh Avenue. I'm not that idiot. I'm the guy inside going. And we appreciate that about you, Ernie. That's right. Yeah, I'm the guy inside going, you guys are idiots. This is just a playoff game. We're not even won the finals. Come on! Listen, I got my expectations rolled up in consistency. We're just playing. I'm playing game by game, series by series. That's right. Take it it one play at a time, Ernie. Take it one play at a time. Appreciate the call. Uh, Yeah, the, the Knicks fan... The Knicks fan strife is interesting because you're thwarted by Jordan so many years in dramatic fashion. And then Jordan retires unexpectedly. You go to the finals, and what happens? You don't just lose, but you lose in seven in the NBA finals to the Houston Rockets. So you can't take advantage of Jordan being gone. You get there, you come within one win of getting there, but you fall short in a game seven. The very next year, that's where Shaq and Penny took over the East, and the Rockets win again, going back to some of the magic heartbreak of Jeanette. Uh, And then you go back to the finals in the weirdest year ever with the lockout 99, and who do you face? The first iteration of what turned out to be a legacy Spurs team, and you get your asses (laughs) swept. (laughs) <laughs> and then after that, Ewing leaves. There's no more Pat. Done deal. Their best moment, Knicks fans' best moment after that was the Allen Houston shot to knock the heat out of the playoffs. Like, that that was their best moment after that. And then they are in the current iteration that we know them now as trying to dig themselves out of a two-decade hole of irrelevance. Yeah, and anytime they want to go back in time and talk about success, right, there wasn't a level playing field. There were guys out of the league. There's yeah. this, and that always just kind of adds a little salt onto the wound. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, who else we got? Jawan? We got Jawan in West Palm. Jawan in West Palm. Jawan's on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, buddy? Hey, how you doing, Ken? Good. Jeanette, how you doing? First-time caller, short-term, uh, intern, long-time listener. Love it. Okay, so the first – I feel like the greatest game that broke my heart probably was Seattle Seahawks, Green Bay Packers, 2014 mm. NFC Championship. Mm. We had a great year. Julius Peppers was old, but he was still producing. Young Devontae Adams, we felt like – I felt like it was our Super Bowl to win that year. We were up 16-0 at halftime. Ha-ha Clay Diggs, I'm pretty sure, had like three interceptions yeah. in that game or two interceptions as like a rookie or a second-year player. It, it broke my heart. I'll the Packers were like dominating year. that game. That crowd was yeah. quiet. And then what turned everything around was the fake field goal touchdown. And then exactly. the Packers started to wilt and melt down, and Aaron Rodgers is throwing interceptions. And then, Juwan, if I recall correctly, and I'm sorry to keep sticking the dagger in here, that ended on that deep ball touchdown in overtime, right? Yeah, I think it was to Curse. I think it was to Javon Curse. Uh, yeah, nah, it was terrible. My, I just remember Mike McCarthy. I wanted him out there <laughs> as soon as that happened. He wasn't aggressive. Like fourth down, kicking field goals, kicking field goals. That's why it was like sixteen to zero instead of like like in the twenties. Right, like, like 20s they were settling for field terrible. goals. You're exactly right. But yeah. don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, Juwan. Now you've got. Jordan Love. <clears throat> Appreciate the call. Congratulations. Uh-huh, yay. 888-760-3776. 888 What's a low point in your sports life you've never quite gotten over? For Jeanette, it's the infamous 
press conference with Stan Van Gundy as he is being asked questions about Dwight Howard trying to get him fired behind the scenes and Dwight Howard not knowing that that report has come out and Stan Van is answering questions about it coming around and buddying up to Stan Van Gundy in front of the cameras. It is arguably the most awkward moment in NBA history off the floor. For me, it's FAU nearly beating Florida in overtime. Nearly beating Florida in overtime. I haven't quite gotten over it. Ken, what about the Final Four? They lost on a buzzer beater. I haven't had the time. I mean, that's only a month. You can't expect me to get over something like that in one month. It's not possible. I am still not over it. No, I'm, I'm not over it either, but I think what's growth for me is that I'm finding myself thinking more about now when I hearken back to how awesome that week in New York City was. The Kansas State game. Fantastic. The Tennessee game was cool, but the Kansas State game, the twists and the turns and the heroic efforts from both teams and then FAU hanging on and my personal ridiculousness of the Ethernet connection and all that Mecca. nonsense. And, uh, and being at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> keep going. Well, sorry to interrupt. Being in New York City um, <laughs> for that. Um, but then the aftermath of, of celebrating, being around the guys and just soaking that whole thing in like that. I think about that more than I do the Lamont Butler shot, and I think that that is the proper, healthy way to compartmentalize the FAU basketball season. Uh, the low point in your sports life you've never quite gotten over. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. We got Joey. We got Shane. We're going to get to him. We got a bleep ton of social media. The holiday is... Happy May the 4th. Be with you. Woo! We'll let Jeanette do whatever she's going to do with that later on in the show. She's Jeanette Javier, the Dominic Queen. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. A low point in your sports life you've never quite gotten over because... A White Sox closer last night struck out Carlos Correa to end the game and was gloating about it afterwards saying, I don't care, he's a cheater because he was on the Astros. I mean, this is White Sox twins last night. And he's still caught up. I mean, we all saw that, right? Kenyon like, Middleton. The White Sox yeah, twins. Yeah, yeah, And I'm a White Sox fan. I wasn't Stop even it. watching. You know what's funny? Stone's <laughs> making fun of this, but I'm pretty sure he actually watched it. No, no I, I did not watch it. They, I, But they have one, two in a row. Here they come. <laughs> no, I was tuned in to the Angels-Cardinals last night. You know, Just as much oomph. Yeah. Mike Trout with the go-ahead in the nine. At least that one is Trout and Otani. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, Otani. But Kenyon Middleton, Kenyon Middleton. 13 strikeouts. Yeah. Gloating in the clubhouse after the game. After the White Sox beat the Twins, I struck out Carlos Correa, and that's good because he's a cheater for a team that he doesn't even play for anymore and gonna, something that happened four or five years ago. It is so a, such a petty thing. And yeah. you know what? I'm so proud of the Astros that they are living in his head rent-free after winning a World Series. Uh, Mark messages. There are two things that I haven't been able to get over. KD leaving the Thunder, Thunder directly after losing to the Warriors in the playoffs and Lincoln Riley bailing on Oklahoma and taking the Heisman winner with him to USC. Snakes. Both of them. Those are pretty good ones. It's pretty good, but if you're ever feeling nostalgic, I found this moving randomly. A DVD of Thunderstruck with Kevin Durant wearing the OKC jersey. He's repping the Thunder the whole time. So watch that movie. Feel better about yourself. I 
feel like what is that movie? Oh, uh, bring it to you. I have the DVD. I'm trying I to didn't get rid know of it. When I saw it. I have no idea what she's talking Thunderstruck. about. Thunderstruck. KD was in a movie called Thunderstruck. It's like an Airbud vibe. No, Airbud <laughs> is better. Don't. don't Airbud. Air does like Thunderstruck that. have a, a basketball playing dog? No. Okay. That's what I'm saying. So I'll bring it over. Uh, as far as that response goes, it's tough, right? Because that Katie leaving OKC was before the Super Team era, or it was as it was beginning. No, it was after the. the well, it, it I mean, was, it, it wasn't in full effect, right? That player empowerment. Yeah, this and, was this was after Big Three Heat, right? Well, but see, but that was the first of its kind. Like it was still fresh in the, in the game, right? This is all new right. now, and this Lincoln Riley and taking Jalen with him, like. That was normal. So so this guy's been going through a tough time from the beginning right. to now. But what was different about it, KD, KD left Oklahoma City to go to a team he lost to that was coming off a championship. For sure. He he literally just went to the front runner, whereas LeBron didn't do that. It's, Bosh didn't do that. what I mean by we have not yeah. seen it before. I also think it was, didn't he play with Westbrook at that time with the Thunder too? Right. So it's also the excitement of having OKC go off with I, those two on the team and the then absolutely seven. be right. dismantled. I will say this. The first year of KD in Golden State, those Warriors Thunder games were damn electric. Oh, I mean, that was NBA theater at its damned finest. That is Russ in his prime, <laughs> motivated, the biggest ship on his shoulder that you could possibly imagine. I remember awesome that, stuff. that Saturday night game in Oklahoma City where Steph hits that 40-foot three, just pulls up from 40 feet to win it, and you get the double bang from Mike Brain. Bang! Bang! Oh, it gives me tingles just thinking about it. I got it. tingly. <laughs> uh, before we get to Dr. James Ross, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care, check in on Jimmy Butler. Let's go back to the phones and let's go to Shane in Lake Worth on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Shane? What's going on, guys? How we doing? Good, man. Yeah, the one that I haven't gotten over yet is the uh, the same one that affected the program, the 2001 Fiesta Bowl when Miami got jobbed out of that uh, mm -hmm. national championship. I, I can't tell you, Shane, how many social media posts I have from Canes fans today saying the ball was tipped, we got screwed, Terry Porter go to hell. Uh, you are along the lines of a lot of Canes fans, and I know my wife personally still Hasn't gotten over that as well. Appreciate the call. How many Canes fans have gotten over FIU beating them? Or do you think that they've? Do you think that they've already been able to be like, hey, whatever, it happened, and the team was terrible. Ninety percent of Miami fans have no clue that they lost to FIU. It no. is just something that you erase from your memory. What could have been? Because FIU, <laughs> FIU beat an objectively mid Miami team. If FAU would have beaten Florida, a team that two weeks later was going to the SEC championship game. That, that, oh, what could have been? But the SEC official didn't have the guts to throw the pass interference flag in overtime. Uh, Peter in Boynton on ESPN 106.3. Hi, Peter. How you doing? Good. The, I, I have three that I won't get over, but I'll be quick. The first pain, I feel physically and mentally even thinking about it. 1987 NBA Eastern Conference Finals. Berg steals the pass. Mm -hmm. I'm a Piston fan. Mm -hmm. Oh, passes to DJ, makes the layup. Now, does it? Did oh, it? Does awful. it? Does it ease it now, though, that the next two years were pretty damn good for you after that? Only a little bit, because you can still never get that one back. But sure. yes, it definitely helps that they ended up winning. The second one, I was a little kid, and they show the replay all the time when it's Super Bowl time. John Riggins breaking through the whole Dolphin defense <laughs> for that touchdown. Uh -huh. 
It was it was over after that. Yeah. I was little. It will pay me till I'm a hundred. And real quick, the last one is a Gator fan. Thirty one to thirty one against FSU. It's a loss. Oh, the best comeback tie sick. for Florida State. It's the best comeback tie in in college football history. Uh, the worst tie that you could oh. ever feel if you're a Gator fan in that moment. Uh, and appreciate the call. Uh, those are good ones. Those are good ones. Great I, ones. So, so I feel like we're in therapy now. Full disclosure, uh, we are helping the masses. Yes. Uh, pull back the, uh, the, the curtain here, a little fourth wall action. When, when Peter brought up the 87 Eastern Conference Finals, I looked at Stone, and he went into full panic mode because he had <laughs> no idea who the hell was in the 87 Eastern Conference Finals and what the hell happened. He was, I saw him go, uh-oh. Yeah, that one was in black and white, right? <laughs> I hate you so much, you stupid young SOB. You're so young and so with Charlie, vibrant. With Charlie Chaplin and, and, the, and the rest of his, his team. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> the three Charlie three. Chaplin. That's a, actually a pretty good pull. Way to salvage that. Well done. Uh, time now to talk with Dr. James Ross, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care. Checking in with him, talking Jimmy Butler. If you're experiencing foot and ankle pain, need to see an expert in the field. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho. By the way, Stone dropped to Charlie Chaplin. Uh, Jeanette, I had someone tell me a number of years ago, man, Charlie Chaplin, uh, pretty good looking dude back in his day. We only know him from the black and white films and like the, the wiggling mustache, but look up a photo. We'll check back in with you. Look up a photo of Charlie Chaplin and just let me know if that was an accurate assessment from another woman about whether or not Charlie Chaplin was a, no. a good looking no. man. You already, okay. No. All right. Uh, Dr. Ross joins us here from Toronto. He's on the road where the Panthers are getting set for game two with the Maple Leafs tonight. Dr. Ross, can you smell the fear of Maple Leafs fans after the Panthers took it to the Leafs in game one. Is there a tangible terror of our cats up there in Ontario? Yeah, I think that they're coming off a, a big high, especially winning the first first round that they've had in 20 years. So they're pretty excited. I think they were going to take that momentum to game oh. one and we, we shut them down. So hope we continue it today. Um, for game two and bring come back home with two wins. It's so good. Now, now up there, and you're you're around the team, making sure that uh, that that bumps bruises are being taken care of. They're healthy. Uh, are we putting Carter Verhage, Brandon Montour, Matthew Kachuk in bubble wrap after games? Uh, how are we protecting them from the 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 dangers of everyday life and ensuring that they're going to be fine as they go to the arena tonight? Hockey players are a different breed, man. They're animals. Um, those guys never stop. They have immaculate health and, and um, exercise outside of games. I mean, it's insane. They, they finish game one, and then they're immediately in the gym the next day, working out, doing weights, doing skates every day. I mean, today, right now, they're, they're skating at the rink right now, and then usually some of them will come back and even get on a bike and start uh, warming up their legs. So these guys are constantly moving their nutrition, their exercise. I mean, these guys are just peak performers. 
Doc, so I think they're going to be good. I can't wait. I can't. I. I, I am. It is me, longtime hockey analyst, really enjoying uh, the Panthers' run here into the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Doctor James Ross, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care, with us here on Ken Levicka Live. Let's talk, Jimmy. Jimmy Butler did not play game two. I was actually surprised that he didn't play, though I supported him not playing, and I think it was the right decision that rolled ankle. Uh, so so he kept saying rolled ankle, rolled ankle. We haven't heard a grade of sprain. We don't know exactly how the injury, uh, how severe the injury is. It seemed like he was walking okay, and there were a lot of uh, internet sleuths, Dr. Ross, who were checking his his Instagram stories the day of game two of the Heat Knicks series. Hey, looks like he's walking fine. Looks like he's walking fine. Is there something to that if it looks like someone's walking without a tangible limp? where you can say, hey, it's not that severe of, a, of an ankle sprain, or can you still have a pretty severe ankle injury and not show it while walking on it? No, actually, I think you're spot on. I mean, how someone walks not only immediately after the injury, but the next couple of days is very important. You know, I think that probably the thought process here, you know, I look back at the video, it's a, it, it was kind of this like, inversion sprain where his foot got stuck and the other player bumped into him. So it looks like it's going to be a low ankle sprain, which is the less severe of the two as opposed to like a high ankle sprain that would take six weeks to recover from. So this is probably something that's like a low ankle sprain. If this was football and it happened on a Saturday, the player would very well likely play the next week. But I think what they're probably doing is they're like, you know what game two, it just happened on Saturday on uh, Sunday Game two was on Tuesday. You know, maybe just take the opportunity to let this heal as good as possible because game three isn't for like another week after right. the injury on sa- on Saturday. So I think that way, rather than re-aggravated in game two, he should be hopefully close to 100% or, or close to it come game three and game four. So that that's my prediction. I think he's going to play in game three and game four and be be, be doing really well. So my my first thought when it happened, and it was after the, all the conversations we've had about ankles, was, "Oh man, I hope that's not a high ankle sprain. I hope that's not a high ankle sprain." Do they do they look different in real time when they're occurring a high ankle sprain to a low ankle sprain? Does the ankle move differently in a high ankle sprain than a low ankle sprain when the injury happens? Yes, I mean the high ankles can happen kind of any way, but usually what happens is like. With, with a high ankle sprain, your foot stays still, and then your knee kind of twists inward. Okay. So that the foot is the foot is is rotating outward, um, and that shoves the ankle against the the outside bone of the leg called the fibula, and then it rips all of those ligaments between the fibula and the tibia, as opposed to a, a low ankle sprain, which is more that. Uh, the foot kind of stays still and your body goes towards the outside so that the heel and the, and your foot kind of come inward rather than outward. And that, that seems to be the injury pattern that happened, happened for Jimmy. I think us as fans, we have this belief that all these professional franchises, they have all of this state-of-the-art medical treatment where they can get in there and they can do things that uh, the typical person can't have from a treatment perspective. And we see the the heat saying that Jimmy Butler's receiving round-the-clock treatment on that ankle. 
What does that actually entail? Like, what what is Jimmy getting that would have potentially allowed him to play forty eight hours after spraining his ankle in Game Two of the series? And what's going to have him uh, as close to one hundred percent as he can be going into Game Three? What are the Heat doing to him? So a lot of the a lot of the treatment after these types of injuries is really geared at trying to uh, minimize the inflammation because the inflammation is really not only a healing response, but it can lead to a lot of swelling, a lot of stiffness. And if you have those things, then the muscles can start to shut down um, and further put your ankle or whatever body part at risk for further injury. So Jimmy's probably in there every day doing ultrasound on the area, um, needling, um, laser treatment, icing, compression, maybe in an underwater pool, working on his, his mechanics of running, all these things that are not only geared at trying to limit that inflammation, but also to make sure that his muscles and, and supporting structures around the ankle stay 100% and continue to stay strong so that when he is given the clearance to go to back to play, he's going to be at his best without um, risk of re-aggravation. Excellent, excellent insight, Dr. Ross. I'm very, very jealous that I can't be in Toronto to just sense the the <laughs> impending doom that Maple Leafs fans have right now of these Panthers that are absolutely flying. Were you were you up in Boston uh, for Game Seven? No, I was there for Game Two. So okay. I split the we split the coverage between myself, Doctors Uribe and Yagnik, who are the Dolphins team's doctors. Okay. So we kind of uh, divide and conquer. I was just because, man, that had to be the most to, to to bathe in the Boston fan disappointment must have been what a, an incredible experience. Uh, but hey, you might get it against the Maple Leafs. Uh, Dr. Ross, thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. All right. Go Cats. All right. Dr. James Ross, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care, does great stuff with the Panthers, does great stuff at Baptist, does great stuff with FAU, and he does great stuff with us here on ESPN 106.3. What's a low point in your sports life you've never quite gotten over? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Twitter, at KLV 106.3. Again, 888-760-3776. She's Jeanette Javier, the Dominic Queen. I'm Ken LaVica. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Jeanette, what's the holiday? May the 4th, it's Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you, with everybody. Let's go, nerds! What a treat, R2-D2. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. And by that, I mean, yes, I do have a huge R2-D2 plush sitting here in studio across from one of the biggest Star Wars fans I've ever known, Mr. Ken LaVica. I, I am, so, I am a Star Wars fan, but this is where... Because yesterday, Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast, what they tried to do is they tried to take me making a point about a building that's old and made me out to be someone who doesn't appreciate history, sports history, world history, simply because I tried to explain that Madison Square Garden doesn't sound different 
It doesn't feel different. It's a building, but the fact that it's in the middle of New York City, which is the largest media market, which I have great respect for, because that's where you're going to get attention for your exploits and for your successes and your failures both. I tried to make a point that it's just a building. It doesn't sound any different from Kaseya Center. If anything, it's significantly smaller and more drab and has a 45-degree incline. you got to walk up to get into it. Um, but... But people took that as, oh, Ken's blasphemous. Ken hates Ken hates Madison Square Garden. No, quite the contrary. I like Madison Square Garden, but I'm tired of having it forced on me how it's different, how there's some sort of supernatural force that lifts its teams to great triumphs. If that was the case, then the Knicks wouldn't have been irrelevant for the last two decades on the floor, okay? So I don't want this to come out as as misconstrued, something lost in translation. I like Star Wars. I've seen all the Star Wars movies multiple times, even the god-awful middle ones. Uh, what's that episode? Jar Jar Binks. Seven, eight, nine. Anything with Jar Jar Binks was just... Yeah, yeah, the Jar Jar Binks ones. I thought it was terrible. Exactly. It's objectively terrible. But I'll even, I'll even say, like, Darth Maul, that's one of the all-time great evil-looking villains. A thousand percent. In the history of movies. like So there were some redeeming qualities from it. Natalie Portman, character sucked. She's beautiful. Good times. Um, but this whole thing, this May the 4th be with you, I mean, it's just an opportunity for you nerd people. Can I give you R2 my... R2 is going off on you right now. The disrespect he's experiencing... Hey, it's R- his day and he comes in studio here and you're talking to him like that? Hey, R2, That's your mom. Respect. Your mom, R2. Uh, actually, can I do my sad R2-D2 impression? No, absolutely not. Boop, 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 boop. That's pretty good, right? You sound like Blue's Clues. <laughs> like that's when he's sad, when him and C-3PO do something where they're fighting. I don't know. They don't know. Are they're they like a couple, the by friends. the way? They C-3PO not- and R2-D2, 20, are they a couple? In 2023, there's no doubt they're a couple. They're a couple. It's good because they 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 are comfortable in, uh, in what they are. But I don't even know. Like... They're just know. droids who work together. But, they, but they're droids. No, they're droids who have an emotional connection to one another, which I I love. And? No, I think it's great. I'm just wondering, are they a couple? No, they're just work buddies. They're coworkers, and if they are a couple, that's great. Let's they're go work galaxy. Buddies. They're work buddies. I've never heard it described them described as that. They're work buddies. I've called um, people work but, buddies. Before. But the, <laughs> uh, what kind of work? But may the fourth be with you. Mm-hmm. When did this? Stupidity start. It's a good question. Uh, no, it's not a stupidity thing. And actually, tomorrow is May is the Revenge of the Fifth. The sixth no, 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 no. Star Cinco Wars. Yeah, it's Cinco no. de Mayo. Tomorrow's no, no, Cinco no. de Mayo, and then the day after that is Coronation Day. Mm. Prince Charles, <laughs> oh. not, not Frozen, but Prince. Oh, but okay. Prince. You know, I guess King Charles. He's. I'm he's more the king offended now. that you were like hype about Coronation Day instead of May the Fourth. So May just the to 4th, show you, though, I'm a father of a six year old and a five year old, two girls. When I said Coronation Day, I immediately went to Anna of Frozen. My brain went to Anna of Frozen. I've That's never, how my mind works. I've never seen okay. Frozen. Sorry, sorry for interrupting you. So thank that was very you important. and R2D2. Yeah. Anyways. So, May the 4th has always been more of an underground thing. But when Disney bought the rights... An indie holiday. (laughs) An underground thing. You said it like it was cool. It is cool. I don't know what y'all are freaking out about. It's punk rock of holidays. At one one point, they're like, guys, I think it's time we release it to the world. Like, we make this public. This holiday holiday comes from New York City where you needed a code to get into the speakeasies to celebrate it. 
prior to 1987. They're all down in the subway in the corner. Yeah, and you needed a special code. It was boo, 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 and then you'd be let in, and that's the only place because you were going to be judged. And Jeanette comes down the steps with her lightsaber, and yeah. she's just joining. Boo, yeah. boo, 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 boo. That's a good code to get yeah. in. Yeah. Heck yeah. What a I posted a video of me dressing up like Darth Vader in the last cool. uh, when Rogue One came out. Awesome. Anyways, so when <laughs> Disney bought the rights to Star Wars, that's when Star Wars became super popular, mass produced, and that's mm. when May the 4th became a big thing. So insider knowledge, Revenge of the Fifth is a little more insider because it hasn't really been, that was after Disney it's bought the rights to Star Revenge Wars. It's a playoff Revenge of the Sith. Yes, exactly. But it's not as popular as May because the it's fourth. also Cinco de Mayo. Nobody so, celebrates Cinco de Mayo anyways, minus white people, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, that's objectively I mean, true. I love okay. Cinco de Mayo. Because you're white. Shocking. I love me some Cinco yeah, de Mayo. Yeah, because you are, you are objectively white, like me. So we're like, hey, Cinco de Mayo, awesome. Hola. Well. Right? <laughs> so. Right. Brown people don't celebrate Cinco de Mayo. They just tag along with white people. <laughs> we, exactly. Exactly. We're the cool friend that gets free drinks because right, everybody right. celebrates us yeah. being Latin for one. Half the state thinks Jeanette's probably Mexican. So I'd like, say 75% right, of the 75% state. 75% of the state. Easily. Free state of Florida. That's right. <laughs> so that's the story of May the 4th. It was underground. Star, uh, Disney bought the rights to Star Wars and then became super popular. They're commercializing it. Obviously, take all my money. And then uh, Revenge of the Fifth is tomorrow. But I'm more of a light side person. Obviously, I'm a huge R2-D2 fan. We go back. Um, so the fifth, you know, I'm not part of them. Yeah. Like, so today's more of my day. Jeanette, Jeanette has brought in like Star Wars hats and shirts and sweaters that she's forcing Stone and I to wear. And we're playing along with it today. But I'll be damned if I'm doing this again tomorrow. No, no, no. Oh, I'll wear a sombrero. Yeah, tomorrow's Cinco de Mayo for us white folks. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Are we drinking Corona? It's a celebration of white folks. <laughs> a celebration of white folks who want to drink tequila. That's what Cinco de Mayo literally is. And eat tacos. Like, you could need a good excuse for that. Right, right. I needed to wait for Cinco de Mayo like, for tequila and tacos. I saw half of y'all wasted and nearly blacked out on Clematis Street on Tuesday, okay? Don't want to hear it. Cinco de Mayo. It is not a holiday in Mexico. Happy May the 4th. I wrote a poem about Star Wars. We can get back to it later. You wrote a poem about Star Wars. I wrote a poem because I knew I was going to have my shining moment. For my nerds and I today, I want to really, uh, like, just, if you're a nerd and you're celebrating today, do it. And go all out. I am here for you. Do you think that May the 4th be with you, this Star Wars holiday is cool? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, and tweet at us, at KLV1063, 888-760-3776. Is May the 4th be with you? Cool. She's Jeanette Javier, the Dominic Queen. Shut up, R2-D2. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live. He will beat you up, I bet. You got no chance. On ESPN1063.